Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Man, Christ, Christ is enough for me. Amen. Is that not... A great way to start off this week, this, uh, this morning. Um, I'm not going to introduce myself for a second time. So if you weren't paying attention the first time, you're going to wonder who I am the whole time. And, um, but still, at this point, rest assured, um, I'm someone. So, um, well, good morning. Uh, I get a privilege to, to share with you some words this morning from, uh, from the Apostle Paul. And as I was uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to speak on this morning... Um, what, where I landed is I think uh, at first I want to encourage you, it might seem like a downer, but it's not. It's, it's actually one of encouragement, um, and it's one that I, I believe is universally applicable, meaning it's going to apply to every single one of us here uh, this morning. Every single one of us will, uh, will fight temptation, uh, which is what we're talking about. Every single one of us will be attacked. We'll, um, we are in the middle of a war, which we're going to talk about. And, uh, and our adversary wants after us. So we're going to talk about how to handle that. I want to start with a, a couple verses. Uh, James 1 uh, verse 14 says this, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. Um, I'm reminded of a quote. I I think it's printed in your sermon notes, but I think we also have it on screen, um, potentially. There it is. Um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, a man who does not understand the nature of the problem that he is confronting is a man who is already doomed to failure. Our purpose this morning, what we're going to attempt to do this morning is to discover how to defeat temptation to aid us in the battle against sin. And when, again, when I say us, I mean all of us. None of us are outside of the reach of temptation. And this is the problem, that we all will face temptation. Matthew twenty six forty one tells us, keep watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. First Corinthians ten thirteen. you are tempted in the same way that everyone else is tempted. But God can be trusted not to let you be tempted too much, and he will show you how to escape from your temptations. Rest assured, even though we will all be faced with temptations, that does not mean that we all have to uh, succumb to those temptations. God has provided a way. So we will all face temptation. The question is not if, but when, and how to inevitably handle it when it does come. I think sometimes we forget to remind ourselves, or maybe we, we don't forget to remind, maybe sometimes we um, unintentionally 
uh, choose to forget. I'll say that's probably a nicer way of saying it, uh, that we're in a spiritual battle. Sometimes we choose to, for our own peace, choose to remain, um, ignorant sounds like a mean word, but we choose to pretend that something's not happening because it allows us to sleep better at night. But the reality is, is that we are in the middle of a war. Not a physical war, but a spiritual war. The devil has one goal in this war, to destroy as many people as he can. So the question then becomes, how do we, as Christians, combat, defeat, overcome the devil? The Apostle Paul addresses this very question in Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10. And if you're familiar with this passage, this is the full armor of God. Um, verse 10 starts by saying, finally, which we need to pause. We're one, one, one word into today's passage and we're going to pause. But whenever we start a, a verse that says finally, it's kind of like when we start a verse that says therefore. It means that something was just mentioned that is important to what we're reading now. Finally means that it's the conclusion of something. So if we want to be uh, honest with this passage and we want to actually find out what the Apostle Paul's telling us, we need to have some context. Ephesians chapter, and I'm just going to list through some stuff here. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, and this is all the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church of Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1 is talking about the spiritual blessing of being in Christ. Uh, chapter 2, that we, are a made, uh, that we are made alive in Christ and that we are united, all of us, as believers in Christ. Ephesians 3, Paul uh, talks about preaching and, pray and prayer for the church of Ephesus. Chapter 4, uh, we, we find things like humility and unity in Christ, living as children of light. Chapter 5, about being imitators of God and not being imitators of the world. We find out what a healthy marriage looks like and what the roles of a husband and wife are in marriage. In chapter 6, we, we read about children and parents and authority figures. And then finally, so after, after all of that, which is basically six chapters of a letter about what being a Christian is all about, what it looks like to be a Christian, now, finally, he concludes this. Verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Notice here that there is, there is no confusion. There's no challenge as to whose strength we must rely on in order to avoid whatever it is he's about to talk about. He's saying here, this is what it looks like to be a believer. Now, finally, be strong, not in your own might, but in his might. Why? Verse 11 tells us, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in this heavenly places. That sounds pretty terrifying to know that that's who we're fighting. When we're fighting this war that we are in, we're fighting against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of the present darkness, spiritual forces of evil. That's what we're facing. 
And that reminds me of the comic Peanuts. If you're familiar with Charlie Brown, there's a, there's a comic where Charlie Brown and, and Linus are walking down the road and Linus turns to, to Charlie and says something to the extent of, I don't like to face problems head on. I think the best way to solve problems is to avoid them. In fact, this is a distinct philosophy of mine that there is no problem that is so big or so complicated that it cannot be ran away from. I just wonder how many of us fall into the faulty thinking of Linus here. At the beginning of this message, I quoted uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones with these words, a man who does not understand the nature of the problem that he is confronting is a man who is already doomed to failure. We have to realize that we, as Christians, are in a battle, are in a spiritual war, a wrestle, a struggle, this is not a battle that you can run away from. It's funny, sometimes we think about, you know, here in uh, walking on earth, if, if there's a, a fight, somebody's trying to pick a fight with us, and you just tell the person, I'm not going to fight you, hit me, I'm not going to hit back, maybe that person takes pity on you, chooses to respect you, and not fight you knowing you're not going to fight back. I assure you, this will not work with Satan. We are in a battle, and if, you're, if the, your tactic in this war is to not fight the war, you will lose the war. Paul gives us a word here to tell us how to fight the devil. Ephesians, again, 6.12, we're fighting the rulers, um, not flesh and blood, rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, spiritual forces of evil. Therefore... Verse 13, therefore, so that's the problem. The problem is whether we want to be or not, whether we choose to fight back or not, we are in a battle against these soundingly terrifying things. Therefore, so because of this, because of this war, because of the battle we are involved in, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Satan fights with lies. And unfortunately, sometimes his lies sound a little true. Sometimes Satan sprinkles in just enough truth to get us to buy into his lies. But only believers have God's truth, which can defeat Satan's lies. When you know the truth, when you know that Jesus is the only one who can save you, who can change you. The other approaches that this world and Satan have to offer, things like be a nice person, do more good than bad, tip the scale, leave the world a better place than you found it. These start to sound a little ridiculous. Jesus is the only truth. I find it interesting that a belt in ancient times, we're, we're forced to our own context. When we think of a belt, we're immediately thinking, okay, this is something that's you know, holding our pants up. So what does that mean in this context? But actually, the belt in ancient context had nothing to do with holding your pants up. A soldier would use it to belt up his skirt so that way he could easily run and fight without tripping. The belt allowed you to be ready for action. The truth about Jesus makes you ready for action, which is good. Because as believers, 
Here today, there is much action ahead of us. Putting on a belt in ancient time would be like uh, putting your hair in a ponytail before a soccer game or rolling up your sleeves before a fight. It means that you are ready for whatever is coming next. You are prepared. You are ready. And this, this verse continues from the Apostle Paul. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, Satan often attacks our hearts, our, the, the seat of our emotions, our self-worth, and trust. God's righteousness, God's righteousness, not our righteousness, God's righteousness is the breastplate that protects our heart and ensures his approval. He approves of us as adopted sons and daughters, adopted through the blood of Jesus, not because of our worth. It's not my breastplate of righteousness that I'm putting on, but, but Christ's. And this is because of his love for us. Satan wants you to believe that you are made right with God, that you're saved, that uh, you've found favor with God because of your own self-worth. In some way, one way or another, you have done something to earn favor with the Lord. And maybe that's by being a good person, by being charitable. Satan wants you to believe this because if Satan can get you to believe that you are made right with God because of your worth, then, then all he has to do is attack your worth to then get you to doubt whether or not you're actually saved. We know that righteousness looks like God. God is righteousness. We observe God's righteousness through his word. And we seek to live righteously by seeking to live and follow God. Living a righteous life isn't just about uh, protecting ourselves. It isn't just about um, protecting, you know, um, those around us. Living a righteous life allows you to worship God and ultimately to help others know him better. Which then takes us to, to verse 15. It says this, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, Satan wants us to think that the sharing of the gospel is a fool's errand that it's worthless and hopeless. The size of the task is too big. I'm just one person. You know, we kind of hear this mentality a lot around voting time. My one vote isn't going to make a difference, so people end up staying home and not voting. The negative responses are too much to handle. Maybe we fear rejection. But the footgear, the shoes that God gives us gives us the motivation to proclaim the true peace that is available within the good news that every single person needs to hear. When we live our lives with a proper understanding, when we live our lives knowing what happened on the cross and what was accomplished for my soul, we change the way we look at this world. The way we look at life changes. Paul addresses this. Paul talks about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 6, which say this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, 
which you received and on which you have taken your stand. This is what they have taken their stand in. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received from God, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is, this is the foundation. If we don't get this, we can't combat Satan. This is actually the thing in which Satan wants us to waver from. This is of first importance. This is the gospel upon we're saved. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the foundation upon our life. That is the message in which we're saved by. Paul goes on to say, and that he appeared to Cephas and, and, uh, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to over 500 more of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Paul, when he's talking here, and he's talking about the people who physically saw Jesus after Jesus died and after Jesus had rose from the dead, he says, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. It's important for us here today, several thousand years later, to remember that Jesus was a real person. That Jesus really walked this earth and he really was the son of God and he really did die on a cross and he really did raise from the dead. This is not a fairy tale. This isn't a bedtime story. This, this is a history lesson. Jesus' resurrection is not simply an event that we should celebrate on Easter. This should be a mindset that we celebrate every single day of the year. When we sing worship songs, we are singing because we are grateful of what God accomplished through Jesus on the cross and the saving of our lives. The gospel acts as shoes in the armor of God because it motivates us to go out into the world to tell others about Jesus. He saved our lives and he can do the same for every single one, uh, every single person you know, your friends, your coworkers, your families. So why knowing, as believers here today, knowing the hope, knowing the joy and the peace that comes from a, a relationship with Christ, why would we not tell those around us about him? Paul continues, in all circumstances, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. One of my favorite words in that verse is all. Thankfully, that verse doesn't end by saying with which you can extinguish some of the flaming darts of the evil one. Now we're told here that this shield of faith can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. What we see as Satan's attacks in the form of insults, setbacks, and temptations, the shield of faith protects us from these attacks. With God's perspective, we can see beyond our circumstances beyond what we're currently going through, because we all know that when we're, when we're in a fight, you know, we have a vision that's like this big. 
and all we can see is our circumstances, but God's perspective allows us to know and to see ultimate victory is ours through Jesus Christ. There's, there's, there's two definitions of the word believe that Christians sometimes get confused. You see, it's not enough to believe that God exists. We have to believe in God, which means to trust him. So the question is, do we trust God? If God asked us to do something, would you trust that it was good for you to do, even if you didn't know what was going to come from it? All the pieces of the armor of God are, are connected. They, they, uh, they, they glean from one another. Knowing that God is righteous, which is the, the, the breastplate of righteousness, will help you trust him more, will help you take the shield of faith. This is why Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God. He doesn't say, in some circumstances, you're going to need these pieces of the armor, so put those on, and these other circumstances, put on, you know, the helmet and the shoes, but you don't need to take up, you know, the, the breastplate for this one. We have to put on the full armor. Trusting God means walking into the unknown, still confident that God is going to take care of it. The enemy will try to destroy your faith by causing you or getting you to trust your own self rather than God. If Satan can get us to depend on ourselves instead of God, uh, we're in a very dangerous place. One of the greatest encouragements for me when I'm facing times of trial or struggle or unknown is to look back on situations in which I was in a similar scenario and to look back and see God's faithfulness in my life. When I look back on times where I didn't know what was going to come next and yet I saw God, God provide in that instance, that allows me today when I'm in the middle of the unknown to ask myself the question, is, is this the time that God's going to abandon me? Has God brought me through everything he has to just abandon me now? I think, you know, I mentioned this first service. I think I can say this boldly. Um, and, and if I can, if I'm wrong, then, you know, Mark will tell me on Tuesday. But he's not here. So I think I can say this with a certain amount of confidence. God is not going to send his son to die for you on a cross to then abandon you. The ultimate sacrifice was made. The ultimate price was paid for you. I feel like we can have confidence that God is in this for the long haul. Satan does not want you to believe this. There has never been a time and there never will be a time in which God is not with you. We combat Satan by reminding ourselves of this truth and faith. And then with that faith, verse 17, and then take the helmet of salvation. Satan wants to get us to doubt God and our salvation. Since the beginning, 
This has been his tactic. Did God really say that? Right, that's what Satan asked Adam and Eve, causing doubt in the minds of believers. The helmet protects our mind from doubting. Specifically, God's uh, saving work for us. Salvation is offered to us, not because of anything that we've done to deserve it, but as a free gift from God because of his love for us. There is nothing that Satan can do, and this is, I think, praise God, there is nothing that Satan can do to affect your eternal security in Christ. There's probably nothing more encouraging that we could hear this morning than that truth. Even when we're under, maybe you're, maybe you're here today and you're in the thick of it. You're going through the hardest trial you've ever gone through in your life. Even when we're under attack, even when we are beaten down and it seems like there's no way out. We need to remind ourselves we are battling a defeated enemy. We are battling against someone who has no possibility of winning. Praise God that he has adopted us onto the winning team. Paul continues and says that to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword is the only weapon of offense within this list of armor. There are times when we need to take the offense and we need to uh, go against Satan. When we are tempted, we need to trust in the truth of God's word. This is exactly what Jesus did when he was tempted uh, in the wilderness. He combated the lies of Satan with scripture. And I think that this is really important for us, probably at this point in the message to, to mention this. We need to be in the word of God now for the attacks that might come tomorrow. Paul tells us in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, that's future talk, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We put on the armor proactively in preparation. We need to be preparing now for the fight that's coming. Oftentimes I fear that we live our life um, reactively. We know that when we are under temptation that we should turn to the Bible, so we come up with this game plan and we tell ourselves, okay, um, next time I fall into, I'm, I'm under attack and there's temptation, um, which keep in mind, at the beginning of this message, one of the verses that temptation is when we're enticed by our own desires. So when I'm being enticed by my own desires, I'm somehow going to, in my mind, flip a switch, run into the other room, grab my Bible and start reading. That's the game plan that we come up with. And maybe that's worked in certain circumstances, but I assure you, um, that is a bad plan to combat temptation. Notice that this passage tells us to put on the armor of God so that when the fight comes, we will be ready to withstand it. It does not say once you are under attack, then start putting on the armor of God. If you were in real battle, on a battlefield, and you tried to do that, you would die. If you're sitting here today, and maybe you're not in the thick of it, maybe you're not uh, in one of the greatest trials of your life, and you're thinking, things are generally pretty good right now. I'm in a good season of life. Family life is good. Just got a promotion, you know. 
If that's you, it may be hard to see why it is that you need to be putting on battle armor. Maybe you're thinking, I don't really feel like I need to wear battle armor today. If that's you today, go home and put on your battle armor. Open up your Bible and begin to prepare yourself for tomorrow. Because we don't know what tomorrow has in store for us. If we prepare ourselves now while things are good, then we will be ready when things take a turn for the worse. Don't let yourself go into a fight unprepared. This morning I want to leave us with a few encouragements. First, that we are encouraged to find our strength in the Lord and not from ourselves. Secondly, that even though we find ourselves in the midst of a war, that we stand firm knowing the outcome of this war. That we stand now, today, victorious in Christ Jesus. And that when we um, are faced with temptations, that God has given us clear instructions to be able to stand strong, to stand firm in the truth which prepares us to detect and reject the lies of Satan. You do this with the belt of truth, to guard your heart from attack, knowing that your worth and your righteousness is placed ever securely in Christ and that you are loved and cherished by God. You do this with the breastplate of righteousness. Be ready to share the good news with those around you. Let the gospel affect you to the point of action. Upon hearing and believing that Jesus Christ is our Savior, let that hope and truth motivate you to evangelize. And you do this with the shoes of the readiness of the gospel. Stand firm in your faith. Never let the doubts of Satan waver you. With a firm foundation and faith in Jesus, no attack of Satan can prevail against you. Take up your shield of faith. Put on your helmet of salvation and know that the battle for your soul has been won and that there is nothing that Satan can do to take you from the arms of Christ. And lastly, be in God's word daily. Equip yourself with the mind of God through the study of his word. Only through the study of God's word can you defend his truths. Use his word not as a defense but as an offense to destroy the schemes and attacks of Satan. And while doing all of this, if you're hurting, cast your cares on the Lord. If you are in need, ask. If you are experiencing a time of peace in your life, then pray to him in praise for the gift of peace, the assurance of hope that we have through God's son, Jesus Christ. Let us go into this week ahead of us and take the fight to Satan victoriously through our faith and assurance in Jesus Christ, the only name that can save us. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we stand victorious. We stand victorious in the middle of a fight, in the middle of a war that is waging for our souls. We thank you that the outcome of this war is not based upon my efforts. 
We thank you that the, the outcome of this war is because of your love for us, that you sent your son to save us. God, we go into this week with the full armor of God, every piece of it, needing every piece of it. We thank you and we praise you. We pray this in the name of your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us. We're back to lead you in a closing song as we leave this place. Our young adult ministry has just began a worship series. And if you're unavailable to join us, we'd love for you to tune into our live stream. You can find our Facebook page online. So we'd love to see you online on, at 630 if you're interested in learning about why we do what we do in worship. Let's go ahead and praise our God before we leave this place and remind ourselves that we should have no fear in Him. Yeah.
Amen. Um, we're not a, we were never intended to walk through life alone. Um, if you're here today and you're struggling, if you're uh, in the middle of something, um, don't think that you need to walk through that alone. Don't try to walk through that alone. Um, God instituted the church for a reason. It's to lift up one another when we're hurt and when we're in trial. So if that's you, I would encourage you to um, talk to one of the prayer counselors by the organ today. I, I would just pray that you have the courage to do that and uh, um, to seek help. Um, we all need help in our life. Um, and if you're here today and you don't... Uh, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would, um, I would urge you to, uh, to come and uh, to talk to me or any of these prayer counselors. They would love to introduce you to uh, the only hope for your future. Um, and I can say that uh, in confidence, having experienced the hope and joy of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I would urge that you to do that if that's you this, uh, this morning. Um, I'm going to pray for us. Um, if you'll bow your heads. Dear God, I pray for anybody here this morning who is struggling, who is fighting, who is um, maybe in the middle of temptation. God, we thank you that um, this battle is not fought based off of our strength, for we're weak, but that we, uh, we get to tap into your strength, and you are not weak. So God, we thank you. I pray that uh, if there's anybody here that um, uh, is in need of some prayer, that you would give them the courage to, to, to come talk to one of our prayer counselors and in humility, acknowledging that no one here this uh, morning is perfect and we are all in need of prayer. And if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, Lord, that you uh, uh, would open their eyes and their hearts to the truth of your word as as the Savior who died for their soul. God, we thank you, we, we praise you, and we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a good week.